Pressure from Thomas off the edge. Eli Manning airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. Oh my God. This ball's thrown and Tyree just goes up for it like a basketball player. Harrison trying to knock it down. That's a great catch by David Tyree. Hello, welcome to Catch the Moment Podcast. I'm your host, David Tyree. This is where you come to get the details. This is where you come to get the process and the journey that's going to get you to your next moment. Today, I'm really, really excited about who I have as a guest right here in Mikasa. It's my, my guy. I actually got a chance to sit down with this young emerging business leader, Adam White of Front Office Sports. Appreciate you for coming out, man. Of course, man. Of course. Listen, Excited to be here. This is let's, so I gotta I gotta start hundred percent real, right? So we've been we've been grinding. We out here getting these episodes done. You're reaching out to to people, and I'm not you know I'm not everybody's favorite, but I'm I'm a few people's favorite in New York City. <laughs> so I get mixed reviews as far as coming out to the dungeon in Jersey, you yeah. know. And I want to just big shout Adam White because bro, you have. You made zero excuses on how to get this done, man. Yeah. Like, it was very admirable. On time, you know, we're here on time. Came from New York City to New Jersey. And I just, I found so many people unwilling to just, like, commit to something. Yeah. Now, tell me, that, like, that's impressive. That's the kind of stuff I'm actually, like, evaluating when, yeah. I, when I evaluate people. So tell me about your mindset, your work approach, your commitments, and your philosophy, even around... Just daily, daily commitments. I think it's all about showing up, right? I think as we're, we're talking about here, uh, I think also I've done a lot of these. Right? I did 110 <laughs> informational interviews, and there were a lot of people who showed up for me. And so at yeah. the other, when I first started the business, obviously. And sure. so I think at, at that point, you really have to say, okay, like if this person is making time for me and then wants to do this for me, like I should be there for them. And I think that's what it's really about. It's like if you're going to make, I, I'm my biggest pet peeve, and anyone will tell you this, is I just do not like people who say they're going to do something and then don't do it. And so my whole thing, is if you're going to say you're going to do it, you better yeah. do it. And you should be there on time and you should be there ready to go and you should be there in a way that makes sense because, again, you're putting some of your time away for yeah. me to be out here and everyone else who's, who's helping out you know, produce this and put this together. Sure. And so it's just about more than one person. It's not just this conversation. It's how everything is going to happen. And so, I don't know, I just think it's, it kind of goes back to... I spent a lot of time working in the restaurant business and I think most people should, yeah. uh, but you start to learn like what it is to be a team outside of playing sports and being on time and being responsible for your sections, your areas, making sure yeah. you have things cleaned. And it was so funny. I, uh, I always remember one of our, um, like one of my bosses is, uh, I was a freshman doing dishes at a, at a bar no in college. And he was always like, if you have time to lean, you have time to clean. And that's always stuck with me. Right. Um, so that's a, that's a really good one. Uh, because I think, like people just, you know, there's a lot more opportunity that you have um, sure. if you're taking advantage of it. And so you just never know, right? And yeah. again, like when people are asking to spend time with you, if you want to spend time with them and you say you're going to do it, you should do it. And that's the easiest way to, I think, get ahead in the world because people appreciate that. Man, let me tell you what, I appreciate it. You know, and like I said, these are, you know, somebody said, so you're, you're literally CEO of Front Office Sports. So if, if, if anybody who's listening today doesn't understand or know what Front Office Sports is, I think you're probably now emerging to be a part of the minority. It's a, a a newsletter, right? A newsletter that goes straight to the emails. So tell us about just the journey yep. um, of fr front office sports, what it is. It's one of my favorite, literally one of my favorite products. And that's why I actually sought you out the yeah. first time yeah, we yeah, met. Yeah. So t t like, just give us a, the overview of, you know, how this started 
and where you guys have arrived to. Yeah, I think it's really matriculated and changed a lot. And I think that's the one thing, uh, if anyone's listening and has to understand, is that you're going to have to pivot. Things are going to change. When we mm-hmm. first started, it was really 110 informational interviews that we did. And kind of that was the first thing that I did. So I started it mm. actually eight years ago, uh, a couple days. Um, so it's been eight nice. years. We've been a funded business from a private equity standpoint for about four years now. Okay. Um, and, you know, we're just now starting to hit our stride, right? Eight years into this. And every single day that we've woken up and worked on this, and put to time and effort and energy into it. And so again, it's like nice. some of these things aren't going to happen overnight, but originally it started out very similarly to even how we met, right? Sure. It was me reaching out to people and I was doing a, a class project. I went to the University of Miami. I was doing a class project and one of the things that, w- that we had to do was do informational interviews with people okay. who worked in sports. Our professors at the time said, it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. It's a mix of both in my opinion, right? You need there to know you go. the right people and you need to know what you're doing. Gotta be credible. But the what happened was is I was like, well, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna get a job in here, I might as well find a way to know a bunch of people. Uh, and so, what better way to know a bunch of people than just to continue to do these informational interviews? And so, I uh, went back home to Arizona, where I'm, where I'm from, and it was after the summer. It was after my freshman year, and so I was playing baseball, working out in the morning, playing baseball at night, and I didn't have a pool. And you go back home, and if you've ever been to Arizona, it's Ooh. 115 degrees in the summer, <laughs> and there's not really much to do. So I'm like, well, what am I gonna do uh, during the summer? And I was like, well, wait a second. I kind of did this one interview. What if I change this into doing more interviews potentially? Sure. And uh, so I paid $40 for the first logo. And I like to joke with people, the site that I built on Wix at the time was like a, a black site with white text. So I was like, I was like dark mode before dark mode was cool, <laughs> um, which was funny. Dope. But that, that's how it all started. And I literally just started reaching out to people and said, hey, my name's Adam. I'm a student at the University of Miami. Would love to tell your story. And it's just a totally different vibe you get from people versus like, hey, let me pick your brain. And it's like, oh my God, like, I, yeah. I don't want to, you know, let me tell your story. Like everyone likes their story told. Everyone wants to be um, kind of highlighted and no one was really doing it at the time. And sure. so we did 110 informational interviews that first year. Or I did. Um, Russ, my number two, uh, again, talk about showing up. I literally just put in our, uh, our group chat for the university. Like they had a group chat for the sports administration program that yeah. I was in and I just said hey I'm doing this and Russ was the only one who responded on that Facebook group and Russ has now been with me ever since and it's been pretty cool to see okay, how the business Russ. is yeah exactly exactly <laughs> Russ is amazing Russ. yeah big shout out to Russ and so you know that's how it all started and what was beautiful about that is we started the business as a media company with no money no experience no followers nothing and we, it was kind of advantageous now that you think about it because we had the opportunity to really find out what we wanted to do, figure out things, take risks, throw things up against the wall, see what it fit and didn't sure. fit. And essentially while I was in school, I just leveraged the fact that I was in school. Everyone wants to talk to students and give back to students. Sure. And then I was able to, from there, be able to basically take all of the interviews that I did and it was just market research. Okay. So essentially like, Everyone I asked is like, what do you want to see in this category? What are you looking for? And, you know, from there, people were telling me, oh, we want this type of content. We want these type of awards. We want to do this, that, and the other. And so, for example, Rising 25, which is one of our our big award platforms that is um, sponsored by Anheuser-Busch, they, um, it's, it happened because I was talking to all these people and they said, we want to have awards for younger people. They're the people in sports who work really hard, don't get paid very much and all of these different things. And then I was like, okay, well, if that's the case, then we should launch this. And we did. And, you know, I think that's been, that's been like a really 
beneficial thing. And I, to this day, I tell people if we had gotten the money from a funding standpoint that we would have had day one, I don't think we would be here because Mm. we took those four years to figure out what the business was. We had to genuinely connect with the community in a way that was very different. And so people really loved the brand from day one. And I Mm -hmm. think that's been kind of a differentiating factor. And as you go and everyone talks about it, brand is moat sure. uh, for a lot of people, right? Why do you go to Dunkin' over Starbucks or something like that? It's because of the brand, right? For yeah. the most part. So, you know, as we think about that, that's what we really focused on is how do we really drive from a community standpoint, a brand standpoint, and the business has transitioned a ton since then, right? Sure. So you've had, sure. you know, we started out as, as an informational interview. I was just looking back because like I said it was eight years ago and I was looking back at like some of the old tweets that I had and it was like, you know, just like these random things and it was like our original bio was like the place to go for like um, career advice and sports or something like yeah. that. And it's changed drastically from there. Uh, but luckily as we've, as we've pivoted, we've been able to keep our core audience and then grow new audience. And I think sure. that was been the big focus is, all right, well, let's look at beyond that. Let's focus on, you know, being like an enterprise news business, sure. obviously leading with the newsletter and kind of what we've, we, we saw during COVID where there was a lot of growth opportunity there sure. for us. And now it's really just about how do we build like a true multi-platform media brands, right? For what we're defining as the modern sports consumer. And what that is, is like a 25 to 54 year old working professional, people who care about what's happening off the field more than they care about what's happening on the field. Go. And we really start to see that's where a lot of the new audience growth has come from is because we're not just focusing on the 1% of the 1% inside of sports. We're covering things that make a difference and, and are meaningful outside of just an industry like sports as an industry. Sure. And so that's kind of been the maturation over the last eight years. And you'll start to see more of us from, you know, audio. We're just getting into podcasting, Excellent. original podcasting, which is which is great. Uh, video, obviously, social. We've been big in newsletters. Has been the primary prim- primary delivery method of the business for a long time, and so we're you know starting to double down on the site side of things as well. Well, y- y'all are absolutely killing it. Like I said, for me, it's been at least at least three to four years since I don't know how this amazing product found itself in my email, but uh, you know, like I am that guy who it's like you know th- th- I've been in sport, so. There's 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 elements that have just been part of our part of my life. The whole GM element, the whole you know some of the sponsorship element, but then there's these 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 athletes who are always going to want to emerge and understand more how their life, their brand fits in the ecosystem or the economy of business, and that's what front office sports did for me. It actually gave me a easy way to get news that actually cared about yeah right? totally i mean literally i mean that's our whole that's our whole conversation when i talk to anyone from advertisers to investors to whatever i say i'll literally be on the call with them and i say when was the last time you went to espn.com no offense to espn and you're like i don't know and i'm like when was the last time you check your inbox and they'll you know they'll go oh right during this meeting and i was like exactly right right there so our go. content is reaching our audience where they are consuming their information which is the inbox and we've always joked about how the fact like the inbox is the new homepage in a sense right you're not going to espn.com you're going to david tyree at gmail.com or whatever Thanks. it is you're opening your inbox it's the first thing you open it's the first thing you're reading through in the morning sure. uh, which i think is very different from previous times and, and previous kind of iterations of where things have been so again i think you have to meet specifically from an audience perspective you have to meet your audience where they are and it's so yeah. funny because people oftentimes think we're much bigger than we are because they're like I go on LinkedIn and I see you I go on Instagram and I see you I go on Twitter and I see you I you're in my inbox twice a day I, I'm on your site and we were just running some data and it's so funny you were saying like three four years like 
on I was just on average you were looking at one in three of our subscribers are opening 75% or more of the time which is sure. like crazy it's like this extremely sticky product mm -hmm. and I think that's been something that's really been meaningful and why we've been able to to kind of extend because again you look at some of these people who are on our list and obviously we have emails so we know who they are for the most okay. part and it's like everyone from the general counsel of Netflix to nice. Mark Cuban and you start to say well why does the general counsel of Netflix care about this well what's been the most talked about thing on Netflix Formula One Drive to Survive right and so I think that's when you start nice. to think about like the business has evolved from just being like again something that's focused on career advice to where we're talking about how we're covering really now at this point the influence that sports has on business and culture and it's just much much broader than that because now you have the validation of the biggest companies in the world who are talking about and buying media rights in sports. Apple just did the MLS deal, That's right? right. Like Amazon has Thursday Night Football. Thursday Night Football. Uh, Netflix, you know, has hinted at it. Like Reed Hastings has, has mentioned it, that they've been, that the only live rights they would get is, is Formula One. But obviously that happened and ESPN took that back from, from uh, you know, for, for the next few years sure. uh, as they re-signed that deal. But it's just, it's, kind of penetrated every part of our society in ways that now are much broader. And as you hinted about the athlete side of things, it's like we kind of talk to people and we say, look, there's all these business people who wanted to be athletes and there's all these athletes Absolutely. who want to be business people. <laughs> there it is. And there's like the nexus here. And this is where you have this opportunity to be in a really interesting space sure. and cover all of this stuff. So that's, that's again, been some of the, I would say not secret sauce, but just been ways that we've been able to navigate. Man, you guys have done it in extremely well and just more, more or less with intent. Like you said, the, the pivots is what I've always appreciated. You know, now I, I, I like, it's always sober to me because I've said this on not just on this podcast. You know, you have to have mentors that are older than you, and I think we're at a place now where you actually have to have mentors that might be younger than you. Yeah, it's a very interesting world in relation to where we are. Not just with tech and social, it's just the way that the emerging generation thinks. Totally thinks. So, uh, I know that when you started this, you're, you're in college, so you're talking about being a teenager. You twenty. I'm twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. 27. Yep. Actually, so. You are the rising 25. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you I know? can't win the award, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah unfortunately. That's just so unfair. Yeah, I know. But, but talk to me about like, okay, you, I've heard you talk about the, the process, the grind, the pain points in, in some articles and interviews. Was there ever a moment where you were just like, I don't even know if this is worth it? You know, like, I know this is probably fun and intriguing, but, you know, what was the most stressful or, or anxious moment as you've evolved to this place. Yeah, I mean, I think COVID was really interesting, obviously. I mean, sure. we're an advertising supported business and we came out of, I mean, our first year post fundraising. So look, we've been working on this business since 2014 in some way, but it was really a hobby from 2014 until 2018. We hired our first full-time employee in 2019. So Got we've it. only been really running the business for four years. And the first year of the startup, you're just trying to figure it out, especially at 23. I was just like, what the F am I doing? You know, I'm trying to figure this out. Uh, so we made some money and we're like, all right, cool. This is, this is great. Like there's, there's something here. Like we got something. And then we go into the second year feeling really good. I remember we got like a new little office space in New York. It was nice. great. We had just signed a lease in January. We had just hired some more people. We're like, awesome. This is going to be great. We're going to continue to grow. Three months into that pandemic hits. We're like, Oh crap, you know, don't know what we're doing. Um, and you know, the pandemic was a horrible time for many people, but for us, it was kind of crazy. It allowed us to, even though I remember calling Russ again a couple times and I said, look, if there's anything that's going to kill this business it's, and it's a pandemic, like, I don't think we could have planned for that. Like we just couldn't have. Uh, sure. and so we were able to kind of figure it out. And what we did do then at that point is we ended up really doubling down on the newsletter because that's where we're seeing so much growth, right? We were just seeing 
again, what happened was we were covering everything that's happening off the field and sure. all of a sudden nothing was happening on the field. And so people were coming uh, to us and we're like saying, Hey, like this is what's going on. What's going on. Right. Like the biggest excellent. stories excellent. as a, was unfolding off the, the bubble, like all of this yeah. stuff for the NBA. It was the all bubble, off the field. Owners, protests, owners, protests everything. Oh yeah, everything. It was crazy. And so we started to see a real uptick there. So double down on that, shifted the entire strategy, hired some new editorial people. Sure. I mean, literally changed out the entire editorial team. And that's the hard part about a content business is that it's not something like a tech company where you can put it, you can put together the code, ship it, and you can take a week off, right? Like, if there you're not you producing go. content every single day, if that newsletter is not in your inbox every single day, if there's nothing on social, it's just a 24-7 nonstop grind. And so I think that's the biggest thing for that we've learned is that we've just, you know, again, we were we got to the point where we feel like felt like we were pretty invaluable for our core group of audience. And sure. then we were able to find adjacent audiences, as you were mentioning, people sure. who are not really in sports, but are either interested in what's happening or also go. are in like real estate and they have some holdings in this or are in media and technology. Like Correct. most of our audiences now coming from outside of quote unquote sports, right? Which would Excellent. be teams, leagues, everything like that. You're looking at people who are real estate, private equity, finance, because it's really becoming, there's a lot more sophistication in the market. Everyone's talking about a sports as an asset class, right? Like there you, go. you start to see all of these things where, um, you know, some of the biggest transactions now in business are team changes, right. right? Like uh, Rob Walton, who's arguably one of the wealthiest people in America, just bought the uh, Denver Broncos. And so now mm. all of a sudden, you know, Jeff Bezos has been linked to a few teams yep. as well. Correct. And you start to think about, okay, so all of these business titans, all of these biggest brands in the world are all making sports either a core start part of their strategy or owning those teams. Correct. And so it's just like, it's kind of undeniable at this no, fact. It certainly is. I'm going I'm to pivot back because I always want to get this perspective. Um, this is obviously Catch the Moment podcast, so I like to ask every guest, where were you when you saw the helmet catch? What were your thoughts? Were there any thoughts or any story at that time? Yeah, I mean, I was in phoenix where it was because okay. i was born and raised in arizona so you Sweet. were just down the street from when it <laughs> happened um to be honest with you i think i was rooting for the patriots that that day it's i was okay. i was this was this 2008 so 15 years ago yeah, i was yeah. how old i'm 27 i was 12 yeah uh so it's happy to ruin you yeah yeah I, I think you. i just wanted to see a perfect season you know i thought i thought that was cool <laughs> and i mean i remember I, I can't remember i think we were watching it with our family members and you know the first thing is even at 12 you're like oh shit like yeah, that, yeah. you know like yeah, that happened that. right <laughs> like did that happen and then everyone's watching the replay and you know it's it's funny because like I try to like think about what that moment would have been like now when you yeah. talk about like with social and stuff like that as much more prevalent. It would People, have been it would have been it would have been up there with like, you know, Odell Beckham's catch. Absolutely. The, like, it would have been up there with that from a conversational standpoint, just because of the fact that what would have happened at that time. I mean, the internet would have blown up. Yeah. Uh, especially because it was the Tom Brady, it was them, you know, perfect season. Absolutely. It was all of this stuff. The Giants kind of coming in here and that knocking them it. off. But yeah, I was in Arizona at the time when all of this was happening. You was you was you was in you was in the country. You was out there in the desert with your boy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it's it's a cool thing for me because it means so much. You know, like I said, this New York City. You've been in New York City now, doing business for 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 a number of years. It means so much to so many people. So it's most people know exactly where they were, right where they were at that moment. Now I'm gonna flip it on you. Like I said, in light of your young, um, emerging, successful career, what would you say has been the signature moment or defining moment at this point? In your career 
Ooh, that's a that's a good one. Uh, I think there's been a few, but I think the one <laughs> I remember we had Russ and I we were talking about this. I had just kind of so when I graduated, I thought I was going to get a job with the PGA Tour. I didn't get a job with the PGA Tour. Went like 14 rounds of interviews deep. For some reason, fate may have it. I think I didn't get the 14 job. 14 rounds. Yeah, it was crazy. It was well, crazy. I, I bet they bite and they yeah. Take yeah. Right. yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, so, anyways, I think it was fate and like have nothing but love for the, a lot of the people there. Most of them are readers and yeah, stuff you like just that. Go so to it's the, been good. Was the live tour now? And no, 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 no live tour. No live tour. Uh, I'm not good enough. And I'm not Charles Barkley. So, unfortunately. I got you. But anyways, though, that's what happened. And I, I went back and I went back to Miami and I was like, well, I'm not going to go home, right? I think it was a little bit too prideful to be like someone who went back after graduating and stuff like that. And so, went back working in the restaurant, working on the site, everything like that. Probably three to five months later, we were just kind of starting to really make enough money to where I could almost get rid of the jobs and live like make enough money for myself. Like it was like 3000 bucks a month, I think is what I the business you. was making, like just hey. enough to pay the bills. And so I was like, all right, well, let's figure this out. And so this is at the time that we'd met kind of our first investors. We were going through these conversations and I like blindly pitched, um, my guy at Anheuser-Busch at the time, Nick Kelly about rising 25. And I was like, Hey, like, I think you guys should sponsor this. And he's like, yeah, that makes sense. Just send me a, a proposal and would love to see it. And yeah. I sent, and I talked to Russ. I was like, how much do you think we should charge him? And like, and we kind of came up with a number and I just sent it to him and he was like, this is good. And then he was like, just send me the contract. And I was like, all right. And so it was the biggest deal that we'd ever signed at the time. We used that conversation to have the investors. Um, and so I think it was like, that was one of the big ones where it was nice. just like, you know, like Anheuser, I, at that point I felt, and Russ and I felt, we're like, Okay, if Anheuser-Busch is going to sponsor us, yeah. I think we can get any brand that we want to to, to, to buy Facts. advertising with us. And like that was the true validator of the business at that point. And then, you know, you started to see like a bunch of different other things that have come up. You know, you start to break mile, you get 10 employees, 20 employees, 30 employees. Sure. And it becomes like more interesting. And then you're like, all right, you do your first million in revenue and you just do your first 5 million in revenue. And now you're sure. looking at what's the next thing. And so Excellent. Um, I think there's been definitely a lot of areas i mean i think rising 25 just i always go back to it because it's been so impactful for so many people and i think that's been the big thing that we've been able to really leverage we had it we launched it in a great educational business too our courses our online learning business is really cool and so nice. the kind of true mission has always been about how do we provide stuff that's accessible and sure. for like if we had a high paywall there's probably no chance that you would have ever come across us because it's like you're interested enough but are you interested enough to pay for it? maybe now you are but yeah. at the, at day one you probably weren't and so that's sure. been the kind of mission for us and so i definitely would say like i remember so distinctly in my miami apartment that i was just i called russ and i was like we we got this deal and i just remember like I don't know, like hitting the wall so hard out of like celebration. I was like, how the fuck did we do that? You know, you're yeah. like, yeah, exactly. We were just like screaming on the phone together. It was so funny. That gets and, me hyped. It gets it me was, hyped. It was really, really cool. And I think, you know, we've had other milestones since then, but I think that one we're just like, okay, we we have a shot here if we continue to do this because they are now believing in us. Yeah. Uh, and that was and that was cool. That was really cool. No, bro, I, I, I think that's it. I get hyped just kind of thinking about what it could be like in that picture um, you know, for, for so many of us, especially my generation of athletes, we were kind of in the middle of there were there were opportunities, but we didn't have all the information on how to do business in our era. The Internet hadn't really social hadn't really reached. So you either had great help or you were kind of like, you know, almost like mm, at bay. Like yeah. you want to do more, you know, you can do more, but we don't know exactly how to do business. So we're a little terrified. So when you're watching um you know, just just people out here engaging younger people, older people, people who've 
perfected their brand or finding their way is pretty, pretty, pretty amazing. So here, here's something interesting I think works in, I don't want to say, uh, you know, the, 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 in our world, whether it's athletes, and I think even for business owners, et cetera, now that you've kind of reached a measure of success, what, what are your obligations? Like, okay, whether it's to family, whether it's to cause, like, you know, a friend of mine, we actually, we, we laugh, we call it the black tax. Like, okay. you know, like, <laughs> we call it the black tax. It was like, if an athlete, you know, becomes successful, he has this overwhelming burden to give back to his, 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 his society or his culture, his community, yeah. family. And I think it's very practical on one level. Yeah. And then it's also very, like, sometimes unbalanced on some yeah. level. So I wondered, okay, I got to start asking other people, do you have those same sense of duty and obligations as a, as a successful business? Uh, I think you have to, right? Because we have stakeholders, right? I, you know, everyone's like, oh, how, what's like mo your motivation at this sure. point? And I said, I have 35 employees who every day are counting on us to make the right decision to make sure we have enough money in the bank to where, you know, like at some point, right, you start to think about like, you know, people are paying their college, their kids' colleges with the salary that they're making here. And so I think for us, like that's where the duties and obligations are. My duties okay. and obligations are making sure that the business every single day and the platform one is strong enough and the brand is meaningful enough that we're attracting real talent, that we're attracting real audience members, and then that we're really making sure that not only are our employees taken care of, our audience is taken care of, we're serving them, nice. we're serving our stakeholders and our investors, right? Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, we have to return capital to them. Like that's the, the name of the game and why they invested in us. And so, yeah, there's, there's a very, I would say it's not so much like me for my family or something like sure. that directly. It's more like, me for the the people who work for for us and and for who work for the company because it's really just about or who support the company right because Absolutely. you know if we do well it looks great on our investors our employees do better sure. they take care of things you know that's all i think about is i was uh, talking to someone the other day and they were talking they mentioned that one of our employees was asking about um you know, our leave policy. So it sure. seems like to me, they're getting ready to have a kid, which is, which is great because they feel secure enough in their job and what they're doing here that they're like, all right, cool. We can have a kid. And like, we feel good about that. And like, now I'm thinking about, okay, well not, I can't mess up or I can't go crazy <laughs> because like that kid is now going to be dependent on some of this person's income. Right. And so no you just start to think about those things. And I think that's the, that's what you really have to realize is that there's more, as we were talking about before we came on here, there's more people than one uh, kind sure. of counting on this. And again, it's not even just that person. It's that person's wife or husband or other partner. It's that person's kids. It's that person's community. It's that, this is good. you know, you start to think about the, that. And I think this is why the importance of like small businesses and just in, in the U S in general. And, you know, I would consider our business, it's relatively, it's big, but it's yeah. not, it's not like a, it's not like a real enterprise. Know, it's, it's technically um, a small business. Yeah. And so you start to think about just like how much impact that has on the community where it's like, yes. okay, now all of a sudden like we're paying people and those people are paying the rents of their landlords and those landlords are using that money to pay for their kids. It's just really, there's a lot of trickle down well, stuff and you have to think it. about it when you do it. And it's just, I think that's been the biggest motivating factor as we continue to go. People are always like, why don't you like go out and party? Why don't you drink? And I'm like, I have to wake up every single morning <laughs> to make sure that like one, we have are really great product and which and we have a really great team who's now shepherding that along but sure. we have to make sure that there's really like it's just always stable as much as we possibly can right Excellent. in a time where there's a lot of instability already like the business has to be like i don't want people waking up and be like okay does the business have enough money to to pay my paycheck right no or does, do we have to worry about that right and 
I think those are, and then like we have advertisers, right? Who are stakeholders who now there have you to, go. you know, you start to think about it. It's not just like a one person thing. It's employees, it's advertisers, it's partners, it's stakeholders, it's audience members, right? This is and powerful. so you start to really think about like, there's true like meaning in all of that. Man, well, it's, what's so powerful about what you're talking about is now the athlete begins to see himself as a brand in business, but it actually alludes to the very same thing is, I, I feel like we have the habit of, giving back too early. Yep. Meaning like, not that you can't set up the foundation and find, find, find ways, but you haven't actually built a business that will sustain the enduring factor of your post career. We Correct. don't even know what that is when you're in your second and third year. You have people who are buying homes for their mothers. You have people who are, you know, setting up parks. Things that need to be done. Things that are aspirational. And I don't think there's any right way to do this, just to be clear. Yeah. But when, I, when I'm listening to you, you're like, now that I have established a business and a brand that other people see the value in, I actually have to chart the waters to keep this stable and sustaining because there's other people involved. And it might not be prudent just to do everything immediately. It's, it's yeah, kind of totally. I mean, 100%. You have to, again, like we could wake up tomorrow and we, if we did things wrong, like there'd be, you know, the business wouldn't be where it needs to be. And then we'd have it's, issues. And it's powerful. now all of a sudden you have... 35 people who may be out of work or something like that. And you just yeah. don't, you don't want to create that type of, uh, type of atmosphere. So yeah, it's, it's, it's really just, again, we, we, we all, we have this saying internally where it's, we don't set the bar, we raise the bar. And even Come if on, we bro. set, even if we set the bar, on, we have bro. to raise it. Right. And so I think that's always <laughs> been like the thing is we look in, at other people from even just like a kind of, you know, measuring up and it's like, all right, if they're doing that, like, how do we take it to the next level? And then Excellent. if we're the ones who are leading the way, yeah. how do we take what we're doing to, to the, the next, next level? level? Because again, if you're not continuing to do that, I always, I always joke with the, the team, but it's, it's not even a joke. It's real. I said, like, if we are going to say, you know, these are the best employers in sports, that's one of our awards. I'm like, sure. we have to live out all of those values ourselves. Like, if we're going to say that this is an innovative X, Y, Z, well, we have to be the most innovative. And I think that's what a lot of people almost like don't really realize is that if you are specifically from a media company standpoint, this is our belief, if you aren't setting the tone with all of the things that you're doing, how can you then be seen as authoritative and thoughtful enough to be able to say that this person is a rising 25, right? right? And this person is best employers. If you aren't at least living out or trying to make sure that you're living out that, uh, that aspirational and, and, th and that kind of thing. And so I think that's been big for us is yeah. again, have we built a, from a brand that has a lot of authority in the spaces because sure. we've been really focused on that. Man, inspirational, bro. You actually alluded to, to, to something and within my next question, you know, su successful leaders obviously build, build great habits, right? So have you had to overcome any negative habits or, you know, how has that process been for you? Like within your, you know, your ecosystem of Adam White and what makes you on your A game, what have you had to overcome? Has there been something you had to overcome or what makes you unique and intentional about how you're living this out for front office sports? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think for a long time, I just, I feel like I understood what I wanted to do. And everyone's like, oh, did you make sacrifices and this, that, and the other. And I said, well, I don't think there's really any sacrifices. There are no sacrifices in life. There's just choices in life. And once okay. you make a choice, then you should do that. And you just continue to make other choices. Like for me yeah. in college, like I don't think I was sacrificing time by not going out with my buddies. It was a choice for me, but that choice led to something else. And that sure. choice led to something else. And I think, again, it's really, again, it's not like 
sacrifices. It's really choices and trade-offs, right? You're just yeah. trading off maybe going well, out and getting drunk with your buddies to do something else, right? And like, it's cool and that's that's fine and that you, there's people who can do that and there's nothing against that, but absolutely. like there's other opportunities there. And so I think from, from my perspective, it's really just been about what trade-offs am I willing to live with, right? Like one of the go. first trade-offs that I was willing to live with was I was like, all right, well, I'm going to just not go and get a full-time job and I'm going to lean into the business. And sure, like I just graduated from Miami. I drive a $600 truck with no air conditioning and I'm working at a restaurant, <laughs> but no one knows that because they only know what I'm doing online and that, you know, it's, you know, what front office sports is. No but doubt. like for two years, really, when I was still running the business early on and it was like really, really nascent and we weren't making enough money, like no one knew I was working three jobs. Sure. But that's what was happening on behind the scenes. And so, you know, I... You just start to think about all of these things. I don't know if there was any negative things per se, but it's just That's more about like trying to figure out like what's the routine, what's the thing that you're willing to, to trade off for, not really give up on, but just like trade off for. Yeah. And what you know, what can the upside be? Yeah, I, I like I like it. I think it's just a, a, an exchange in language, whether sacrifice or trade off. I kind of use the term sacrifice a little more often because I know that um, I don't look at sacrifice as a bad thing. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like trade off is a softer, softer language. But I can't, since I can't do everything, when I choose to do this, it may be at the expense of something else. Totally. Right? That's totally. the trade off. Yeah. And that's that's sacrificial in some element. And there's noble sacrifices, and I think there's some less noble sacrifices potentially. Right? When it's relationships, and I'm not even talking about you know some things are always subjective, whether it's uh, your social life and decision-making. But I think when you're talking about being a high performer, having being goal-oriented, you begin to place things typically where they belong. Like, yeah. fun is very overrated. It's kind yeah. of like the Bill Belichick approach to football. Like, Well, I mean, people always ask me, too. They're like, why do you work so much? And i like, I like it. It's fun, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I don't know. It's, you, just, like, it. it's, like, it's like, that's like what I like to do, right? Like, yeah. I like to work on the business. I like to make sure Whoa. that the business is, is, is really cool because like at the end of the day, like that's, that's fun to that's me. Fun. I don't, yeah. I mean, I think, and that's, I saw something the other day, uh, I think it was on social and I don't remember it directly, but it's like, there's nothing wrong with being obsessed with something you like to do. People for some reason make it like almost like negative. Oh, you're obsessed with this. You're obsessed yeah. with this. But like, if I like to do it, why does it matter if I'm obsessed with yeah, it? I think it's go. good to have some sort of passion for that. So yeah, I mean, again, like it just, your definition of fun, some people's definition of fun, maybe not my definition of fun, but that's totally cool. Yeah, and that's what I love about sport. I mean, like, sports narrows the lens because at the end of the day, every sport is based on a game, and the objective is to win. Yeah. So, you know, if you don't win, you're not having fun, Yeah. right? So, you know, like, can all the other crap, like, as far as music, at, I'm, I'm good with music at practice, all these other things that we're emerging in, in our, you know, well, you know, you just got to create a culture of, you know, well, listen, if that doesn't get you to the win, it's kind of irrelevant. Yeah. Now, if it does get you to the win, then, then kudos. Yeah. But that's that's kind of the big salute to, to Bill Belichick because he's also known for being, you know, strenuous in his practice habits still. He's, he's the last of a dying breed, the yeah. last of a dying generation. Most people can't get away with any with the things that he does because he wins. Yeah. <laughs> and so every player accepts the the patriot way yeah. because he wins yeah. so it's pretty it's pretty amazing because i think that's what you're speaking toward even in, in relation to your habits that have made you successful um kind of last i think just one of my, some of my final thoughts who would you call mentors leaders the people that are kind of you know like i said i think you're positioning yourself properly by way of creating a great product with front office sports but you know of course now you have emerging partners who are those people that are really 
kind of coming around you to, to develop those strong thoughts and continue to cast vision? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously Jason uh, Stein, who is one of our earliest investors, right, um, in, in, in many ways is not just an investor, but a big brother in some regards. Awesome. Like he never had a little brother. I never had a big brother. And so I think that's kind of how it's all worked out. And so he's been he's been great and super supportive. And he's one of those people who does what he says he's going to do. And I think that's nice. why we've been able to, to really mesh well. And, you know, we've had a lot of other people from an inspirational standpoint, but I think, again, it's, it's not just been about one mentor or one person no. or things like that. It's just like, how do you take bits and pieces from a lot of things that go on, right? I like spent so much time again in the restaurant industry. And there's a lot of things that I take away from what I was doing in the restaurant industry that I think we've applied to the business and the, and the team and right. like things like that in a way that it's just like, again, like we have, we have so much opportunity to do a lot of things. And if we're, if we're leaning, we should sure. be cleaning in a way, right? And, and so like <laughs> our whole thing is like, you know, there's a lot more opportunity there. And so, you know, you start to look around and a lot of our inspiration, like even our big, one of our big partner programs right now has been our online education business. Sure. And I got inspiration and we got inspiration from that from a bunch of other places where you started to see certificate programs. And I'm Absolutely. like, well, if Google has a certificate program, why can't we have a Absolutely. certificate program? And if we have a certificate program, why can't we sell it to brands? And like, that's always been our philosophy is like, if we can't sell something to a brand or if we can't get people behind it, like we're not doing our job correctly. Excellent, right. Excellent. And so I think, you know, again, there's been a lot of inspirational people. I'm transparently, I'm not someone who's like big into like, I need to listen to every inspirational podcast or everything like that. I'm just like, I'm much more of a, like, let's just do the work and, and see what happens. Uh, <laughs> because good. it's, it's just a little bit different. And you know, obviously everyone has, you're different actually, experiences. you're actually working, you know? Yeah. And everyone has different experiences, right? It's, it's like, true. I mean, it's good. Like I love the, how I built this podcast and what they've done with that. And there's like so many cool things to take away from it. But yeah, I mean, there's been like various mentors along Excellent. the way that I think have, have helped, um, you that know, awesome. different in different ways. I think that's the village mentality in general. Like, you know, if you're, if you're wise enough and you're a student enough, you can listen, you can recognize the value that people add from all different angles. But totally. obviously having a, um, this is an interesting, you know, I think a, a question for me, what sector or business, right? You have, you know, you have all these, I just, I just love the, the product. You have all these different sectors and intersections within sports and business. What sector of the business of sport do you think right now has the greatest growth potential? From a growth standpoint, you're going to start to see, obviously, I think we've already seen it, but a lot of the investment in women's sports because there's a lot of opportunity there. And I think, again, from an asset class standpoint, sure. there's a lot of money going into women's sports right now because there's a lot of upside from a women's sports standpoint for owners and things like that because you start to look at it, there's how many people can buy a $5 billion NFL team. There's not very many no. of those people. No. And this is nothing against the NWSL or any of these women's sports teams, but like it's a much more approachable entry point into sports ownership right 100%. now, which I think is really going to help continue to drive the value of those leagues and teams up because you start to see like what uh, Alexis Ohanian and then the, and the Angel City FC people did. They put together a great group of people who are wealthy, but they're not billionaires, right? Sure. And they are launching that, that team. And I, that there's a lot of interest in, in kind of buying in at like $30, 50000000 million for a, for a team because you start to get into the upper echelons, even like, honestly, most of the major four sports leagues, you have to have like real money or you have to be a private equity big, big, firm. There you go. There and, is. Which, is, which is fine, uh, but like there's a lot of opportunity for people who are wealthy yep. and to build consortiums to really lift up women's sports. And I think you're starting to see a lot of that. So I think sure. there'll be a lot of growth opportunity there. Um, I think you'll see a lot of growth opportunity in, I mean, honestly, emerging sports like pickleball, extremely yeah. hot right now. Uh, just like, again, 
you start to think we actually wrote about uh, Callaway and Top Golf and what they're doing and like Top Golf and what it did to the game of golf. And it's just funny because you think about Callaway and like how their business has evolved. And, you know, I think it was in the article today that by t- 2025, like Top Golf will be, I think, uh, responsible for half of their EBITDA, like, which is crazy, right? Like this is, a, you know, a manufacturer, a total manufacturer That's from, a, you know, one of the top manufacturers from a golf standpoint. And so I think you're starting to see a lot of shift of how are you like sports isn't just going to the game and Mm -hmm. watching the game on TV and everything like that. And you're starting to see a lot more of it, right? Like Draymond Green has a podcast while he's a player. He's while while he's commentating during the season, season, right? (laughs) You know, and that's great, right? Like, and there's opportunity there. And I think you're starting to, again, continue to see a lot of these just elements of the sports and, sure. and business angles of it that'll be bigger. But I think again, like growth opportunities, obviously women's sports, I think you're starting to see again, the fact that sports is an asset class is invest has attracted a lot of sophisticated capital and sophisticated mm-hmm. people into the business. Right. I mean, uh, sixth street just yesterday bought another 15% of Barcelona's media rights. Right. That's nice. a whole different story because Barcelona's in a lot of debt and they needed to do this. But I think you're starting to see more of that. You're going to sure. see really more, um, you know, an evolution, I think, of just how games are presented and what, like, I think Major League Baseball over the weekend, they did their all-star game and they had the pitcher mic'd up and he was like talking to the guys and they yep. were calling his pitches and people were loving it. You're not going to see that during this the regular season, but you'll see more of it. Sure. Um, in just general and probably more of these exhibitions. And I think, again, like, it's just sports has some sort of unifying factor. So there's always oh, going to be something interesting there. Absolutely. And there's going to always be brands who want to be associated with it. There's always going to be all these different things. And I think you're going to have the opportunity to really say, okay, like it's just so impactful. Like you were saying, like everyone remembers that moment that you had, sure. right? But it's like, when was the last time someone remembers the moment that their cubicle mate did something, <laughs> right? And there's no offense to that, but it's just like, it's a totally different thing. It is. It, it, like I said, it's something that, that truly unites, galvanizes, and really, it stokes passion, right? It's like, you, you, it's like the hometown effect, where you're from, when you meet somebody, there's the connection of, oh, I'm from Phoenix too. Yep. Sports has that same kind of uniting factor. Um, it was actually the NIL deals that, that was in my brain. NIL deals, <laughs> yeah, that was a big one too. So that was a big one last year. It was just like, it was so many new emerging markets, and, and I think the women's sports is definitely the uh, the big, big takeaway. Bro, we, we could get in it. So uh, I'm, go, I'm gonna leave one last breadcrumb you know, I'm I'm available for hire for front office sports. I just want <laughs> you to know that. You know, I sought I sought this guy out two years ago because, you know, it was already there as a tremendous product, and um, you know, it's something that high caliber person like myself I want to be a part of. But congratulations on what you're building, what you're con- going to continue to see the fruit of, and I uh, thank you for catching a moment with us here, man. Um, get, give us one just just one last nugget as far as you know. You got aspiring athletes. Uh, business leaders that are going to tune in, you know, if, if there is a one piece, one sound piece of advice um, where you're talking about approaching their goals, dreams, and how they want to see their lives materialize to get to their moment, what would you say? This is it's so funny because this was like the early, one of the early interviews I ever did uh, at the time. It was with someone who was the general counsel of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and it's just stuck stuck with me for a very long time, and it's, it's super simple. It says, it's be a fountain, not a drain, and so mm. when you think about that, it's really like you say, all right, 
I'm going to to give and I'm going to continue to give and eventually that's going to come around like and I'm not draining you know I'm not going to someone with their hands out and say hey can you give me this can you give me this no you're just doing what needs to be done and I've always I've always thought that was like a really really meaningful thing and it was so simple it stuck with me forever it's all about being a fountain in everything you do and not a yeah. drain in everything you do right and I think that's if, if you take away one thing that was one thing that I always took away from my conversation with uh, David is his name uh, funny sure. enough and it was it was just it was just really cool to see because I was, I've like it doesn't matter what you're doing as long as you're putting things out there and you're trying to add value and you're trying to be meaningful it's going to come around there in you go. more ways than one right like even just from that relationship like him and I have built off a bunch of other things and it's really just been simple as things of like we'll just like randomly email you so hey saw this hey saw this I think like that's the other thing too is from another piece of advice and this is something that I've kind of put together over give time it because give it to us. you've seen a lot of this specifically from a sales standpoint but soft touch points lead to hard touch points is what I always talk nice. about and so like just checking in saying hello say I saw this I saw this I thought of you I thought of you and there may not be an opportunity to do business then but eventually what's going to happen is that it's going to be enough soft touch points that you're going to feel like, oh, okay, well, I want to work with this person. Or there's going sure. to come a time where you send something and they're like, oh, I was thinking about you would love to work with you guys on XYZ project or this, Absolutely. that, and the other. And I think everyone really kind of defaults to the hard, of like course. the ask, and they don't really just start to like, start to really build a relationship first and foremost. And I think that's where, again, luckily we spent a lot of time building a lot of relationships with people because that's what we did. Like we had no money, no experiences, no audience. And we had to spend so much time building relationships and doing the interviews and staying in touch with people and following up and all of these things. And I think even from a sales standpoint, this is what I've tried to ingrain on our team. It's just like, don't always ask, right? Just send mm -hmm. them something and say, hey, saw this about you guys. It was really cool. Hey, this was awesome. Hey, saw you guys are doing this. Even if it's nice. with a competitor, right? Like, you know, big win for you guys, right? It's just like little things like that. They're going to be so much more receptive versus if they're saying, buy a, you know, buy something for us, you know, buy something for us. You know how it is, right? No, like, is, uh, you know? Everybody's trying so. to win, but like I said, it can't be at the expense of the relationship when you keep that door open. But man, I was, I mean, like you just gave us some real, real bread to chew on, especially, you know, to be a fountain, not a drain. That's a big, big thing. And I've always, I value the emerging leaders of this generation because more of them get that than some of our totally. our, our departing leadership. Yeah. <laughs> I call them the legacy leaders. Yeah. Of, uh, and, and it's been a take mentality. And like I said, it leaves people with deficits, leaves Peter and people embittered. And, and it's hard to build on where people won't begin to actually see you for yourself and leave that train, totally. even if you have something valuable to offer. So man, appreciate you for uh, just, just being here with us. Um, I'm sure this won't be the last conversation, man. Congrats, totally. and thank you for catching the moment with us. Awesome. It. Thanks for having me. Hey, listen, guys, you won't get more value than that. I need y'all to continue to check in with Catch the Moment podcast. A big shout to Adam White. Check out everything that they're doing, front office sports, and, of course, subscribe, comment, share. We can catch Catch the Moment, Apple, Spotify, YouTube. Thank you all for being loyal. We'll, we'll see you next time. Catch the Moment.